here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are traveling through another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of, well, actually, it's just sound. Inside this dimension, miles of audio waves dedicated to pro wrestling music, an inseparable tag team, equal parts beautiful and horrifying. It's like looking at a picture of Iggy Pop. An object of study, entrusted only to those willing to face the duality of its nature. In this case, two wrestling fans with a passion for killer riffs, choirs, and bad puns. They call this dimension Music of the Mat. It's my music! You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I am the Boobarian, Andrew Rich. <laughs> Joining me on this muscular mystery tour is my good friend and partner, the Scare Lord, Chris Maffei. Together, we are your hosts, the Candy Corns of Pain. Today is October 31st, 2017. That is the day that this episode is dropping. And that means only two things. Number one, a happy 51st birthday to Koji Kanemoto. Oh, wow. And number two, it's Halloween, folks. Happy Halloween, Chris. Happy Halloween, Andrew. Are you getting into the, the festive spirit? Do you have any pumpkins, any any spooky skeletons laying around? Oh, yeah. I got corpses laying all over the place. It's really I'm really immersing myself into the spirit of Halloween. Those aren't, uh, those aren't real corpses, right, Chris? <laughs> Listen, some people, they're okay with a fake Christmas tree. I like to go chop down a real one. Some people, they're okay with a fake corpse. I go and I get a real one. You gotta be, you gotta be authentic, I think. Here on the podcast, we're getting into the spirit our own special way. We got the Twilight Zone intro. We got the spooky nicknames. Later on, we're going to discuss some of wrestling's most frightening themes. Uh, before we get to all that, though... I guess we'll talk about, you know, our own little histories of Halloween. As an adult, I'm not someone who really gets into Halloween. I don't dress up. I don't watch scary movies more often than usual. I, I don't even change my Twitter name to something spooky that a lot of people do. I, I just don't do it. Not to say that I'm against people who do that, because if you love Halloween, go nuts. I, I would never yell at someone, you know, for getting into the festivities. I'm just not a real active participant in all that kind of stuff. Because as a kid, you love Halloween. You know, you, you get super excited for it. The free candy, costumes, the decorations, all that stuff. Because you're a kid. 
and you don't normally get to have all that stuff unless you're, you know, spoiled rotten. You don't get to have pillowcases full of candy every day or dressing up like your favorite superhero all the time. But now that I'm an adult with a salary and a car and a bank account, I can get candy anytime I want and I can dress up like Randy Savage. <laughs> for as many for as many days in a row as I want to, I, I may get some strange looks at work, but I, I'm a grown man and I can wear what I want to wear and when I want to wear it. So the specialness of Halloween, the candy, the costumes, all that stuff—it's it, certainly worn off on me. But again, I, I'm not some Scrooge. You know, I'm not going to roll my eyes. You know, anything Halloween. I'm sure, Chris, when you were a kid, you, you must have been pretty excited for Halloween, as a lot of kids were. I think it was mainly just I could leave the house dressed as Batman, mm-hmm. and I just always wanted to do that. I still kind of want to do that. So in that regard, Halloween was really cool because I could be Batman or I could be a Power Ranger. I'm not a big scary movie person. I'm not into horror that much. I'm not into, you know, scary, gory, spooky things that much. Although I did go through a phase where I got really into the Halloween movies, as I'm sure most people did at some point. But in general, Halloween doesn't do a whole lot for me, and I don't really get into the whole dressing up thing. Although I have, in recent years, pulled off a few pretty interesting costumes most notably i was bob ross a few years ago oh so that was fun happy little trees yeah i i realized recently that i kind of grew out of the whole dressing up and going out for candy thing kind of early in my life like i prefer to just stay home and watch the twilight zone on tv with my dad or whatever and then eat the leftover candy later so i guess my passivity towards halloween sort of pretty young i still enjoy scary movies from time to time i still enjoy horror things crazy gore movies like saw and that kind of stuff i, I can take it to leave that kind of stuff but i still enjoy a good scary movie every now and then now speaking of costumes i don't remember that many because i was pretty young i remember woody oh. from toy story that's a, that's a favorite uh darth vader of course and Aragorn from Lord of the Rings. There are a few more, but I, I can't remember them. I, I ne- never any wrestlers, though. I never dressed like a wrestler. I was, uh, when I started watching wrestling, I was already past the whole Halloween going out, dressing up face. So I never dressed up like The Undertaker, I never dressed up like Shawn Michaels or, or Rey Mysterio or anything like that. But uh, I'm sure, you know, nowadays, you know, the wrestling, you know, merchandise boom being as it is. I'm sure there are, there are costumes for everyone now, and people being people being creative too. Uh, especially when you see online, people go to conventions. I remember like this was only Halloween, but there was a kid on the news that went to a convention. And he was dressed as Kenny Omega. Oh yeah, I, I saw that. Yeah, the leather jacket, the sunglasses, the pants, the broom. So I see that now that conventions have sort of become this huge thing with cosplay and all that stuff year round. It's sort of like another area where it's like. Okay, Halloween isn't really that special when you've got teenagers and kids too with their parents dressing up in costumes and going out and and being, you know, Pikachu or being Kratos from God of War or being a million other characters from TV and video games and anime and movies and all that stuff. So, so I guess, you know, dressing up in Halloween in general, the specialness I think has sort of waited. But yeah, I mean, as far as as far as Halloween goes, of course, we got to talk candy. It's a hack radio bit, but we are nothing if not hacky, Chris. As far as you know, candy is concerned, love candy. Who doesn't love candy? Big fan of gummies. Love the gummy bears. Gummy worms. Gummy sharks are great. Sour Patch Kids. 
Tootsie Rolls, I'm a fan of. I like the Tootsie Rolls. Smarties, Lollipops. The, the oldies but goldies. As far as chocolate is concerned, I love the classics. Hershey Bar, Hershey Kiss, Kit Kat, Reese's, Peanut Butter Cups, Milky Ways, Lint Chocolate Balls. I love them all. Every candy ever, then. Pretty much, yeah. I have a few rules when it comes to chocolate. Rule number one, I only like milk chocolate. I don't like dark chocolate or mint chocolate or white chocolate. So if I'm if I'm eating a chocolate bar or a Hershey Kiss or whatever, I want it to be like a baby face Seamus. Sweet and milky. <laughs> Rule number two, no nuts. I don't like nuts, no almonds, no peanuts, no nougat. So almond joys, Snickers, Wonder Bars, Mr. Good Bars, none of those. Now M&Ms are interesting. A lot of people subscribe to the belief that the only good M&M is a plain M&M. They don't like peanut or pretzel or crunchy or whatever, to which I say, yes, I agree, except for one, and that's peanut butter M&Ms. Peanut butter M&Ms are so good and so addicting. You put a bag of peanut butter M&Ms in front of me, those things are getting scarfed down faster than Soma's in the click locker room. Those are my candies and my candy rules. Chris, what about you? I'm sure you have your favorite candies and perhaps some candy rules of your own. I have no candy rules because I'm not as passionate about candy as apparently my co-host Willy Wonka. (laughs) But uh, I enjoy a good Twix, especially because it reminds me of Seinfeld and car dealerships. I like peanut M&M's, I have to say. I prefer peanut M&M's over regular M&M's. I like peanuts a lot. I like peanut butter. I'm a big fan of George Washington Carver and everything that he did. But I'm not not really a huge candy guy, and it's very, very, very rare that I actually will have any. But as far as wrestling-related Halloween things go, there is one thing that I did just remember that that I wanted to present to you. <laughs> now, I don't I don't know your experience with this, but I used to go to Party City back in the day and they had a fucking frightening mask of Xbox face. Oh god. That I have just sent to you and I want you to click on the link I just sent you. Oh Jesus Christ. It's horrifying. Make some noise. Make some noise. I'll take your I'll take your soul. <laughs> what what was that energy drink that he used to come out oh, with? Oh yeah, yeah. I don't remember what it was, but it's like was that his essence, do you think? <laughs> that was like that was what he needed to survive. Hansen's energy drink. Yeah. And I remember like the full page WWF magazine advertisement with him doing a crotch chop, oh, but God. the Hansen's energy drink was in the middle of the crotch chop. Oh god. I see, I want to go to Xbox house on Halloween and see if he just gives out that. <laughs> or actually get the X-Pac mask and be X-Pac for Halloween and give out Hansen's energy drink to trick-or-treaters. You gotta say, make some noise to every single kid that comes to your house. Make some noise! <laughs> as, soon as, as, soon as, as soon as they ring the doorbell, make some noise! <laughs> the doorbell is, Barrr. Oh, yes! And then, I, and then I yell, make some noise! Make some noise! <laughs> That's the sound your stomach makes after drinking the Hansen's energy drink. <laughs> Sip. Bow. <laughs> Hanson's are, so yeah, that's that's my big wrestling Halloween tie-in there. That X-Pac mask is uh, it is uh, frightening to say the least. Now, scary stuff in wrestling. Has pro wrestling ever scared you, Chris? And I don't mean like crazy bumps or frightening-looking botches or stuff like that. Like that's accidental. I mean stuff that's meant to be part of the show. Scary. 
or frightening or creepy. Anything comes to mind? I remember in 1999, and I don't know if this is weird that I was scared of this, but there was a segment where the Ministry of Darkness was like holding down Christian and he was hanging by his hands from from this thing and the Undertaker was whipping him. Oh, yes, yes. Gangrel and edge were holding his legs and like the acolytes were there i didn't see it live but i saw the clip on online later later yeah and he's just whipping christian's back and for some reason as a child that just yeah i'm nine years old but that was just like oh my god and anytime i see that or have seen that or i've looked that up i remember how horrified i was at the time now obviously it's not scary it's just a little maybe a little strange yeah but that's the first thing that came to my mind yeah i don't think i've ever been scared of something in wrestling because when i started watching i was i was 10 11 years old which you would think is still in that age range of being scared but the stuff i was watching on tv wasn't really scary because this was 2003, 2004 WWE, the heyday of 90s cartoon wrestling villains was pretty much over. And it was more a focus on regular athletes for the most part. You had Mordecai and all that kind of stuff. I think if I had started watching it a few years earlier, like like you did with the, the Ministry of Darkness, I would have been like six years old with all that kind of stuff. With Ministry of Darkness Undertaker slitting his wrists on live TV and feeding people blood, hypnotizing them and crucifying Steve Austin. That probably would have been nightmare fuel for me. It would have freaked me the fuck out. I will say, though, I will say that the wrestler who didn't scare me, but he got me the most nervous and on edge as a kid was Kane. I was never afraid that Kane was going to get me. You know, I, was, I wasn't lying in bed at night worried that Kane was in my closet and he was going to jump out and spout libertarianism things at me. <laughs> Never afraid of that. <laughs> I was afraid of what Kane would do to my favorite wrestlers. Because 2003-2004 Kane did some of the most heinous, evil shit I've ever seen in wrestling. Because this was when he lost the mask to Triple H. He turned heel and he became the monster again. He was no longer the, the fun babyface with RBD. He was a monster. So he tombstoned Linda McMahon on the stage. He lit Jim Ross on fire. He, he electrocuted Shane McMahon's testicles. He buried The Undertaker, my favorite wrestler, alive. He impregnated Lita. I mean, the guy was just pure evil. The one moment, though, that is always stayed with me and struck me the most was the night after Bad Blood 2004. The first segment on that Raw, the night after the pay-per-view, was Shawn Michaels and Triple H. They were in the ring, and the night before, they were in the main event of the show. It was a 40-minute Hell in a Cell match. Just absolutely brutal. Blood, tables, fucking sledgehammer shots. They beat the piss out of each other. And now they were in the ring together all battered and bruised up, and Jim Ross was in the ring with them. And he was like, well, goddammit, Sean, Hunter, last night was a was a hell of a match, but now it's time for this feud to end. I want you two to, to make up and shake hands. Very slowly, very, very, very hesitantly, Sean extends his hand to Triple H, and Triple H is sort of, sort of mulling it over, doesn't know what to do. All of a sudden, boom, here comes Kane. 
and he attacks Shawn Michaels. Shawn is on the mat. Kane gets a chair, wraps it around Shawn Michaels' head, gets on the second rope, jumps off, and stomps on the chair. And immediately, blood starts spurting out of Shawn Michaels' mouth. Shawn is just rolling around in pain. Blood is just dripping out of his mouth everywhere. He's wearing a white wife beater. It's just getting stained red as the seconds go on. EMTs come out, put him on a stretcher, give him the neck brace and an oxygen mask, which I'd never seen before done. They're like, they're like, don't touch your throat, Sean. Don't touch your throat. JR is like, for God's sake, Sean. He swallowed a lot of blood there. He's got, he's got, can't, he can barely breathe, goddammit. Meanwhile, Kane is slowly walking back up the ramp. Big, sinister grin on his face. He's got the white eye contact in. Ugly, bald head. The man came off like a fucking killer. And 11-year-old me knew that Kane was a dangerous, dangerous motherfucker. I wasn't afraid of what he would do to me. Again, I wasn't afraid of that. I was afraid of what he would do to wrestlers that I like. Which, with a guy like Kane, is kind of the aura that you want with him. But as far as being like scared in general, never. Because as, as you grow older, obviously, you realize that it's all not real anyway. So, But yeah, if, if I was born a few years earlier and started watching you know, a few years earlier, I probably would have been freaked out by you know, Papa Shango or Vader or whomever. As a kid, I used to be freaked out a lot as a kid. You know, I, I cried a lot, I remember. I, I was like a little big show. You know, all my tears, <laughs> all my tears coming down. Wham, my daddy, my daddy. <laughs> I, I used to be, yeah, I, if we're talking, you know, being, being scared, and stuff, the, the most scared I've ever been in my life, and I remember this clear as day, the hardest I've ever cried as well. I was six years old. I never, I never told a story before. I was six years old. My mom was giving me a bath, and she was washing my hair, and she started rubbing her finger on my scalp, on like a part of my scalp, and she was like, huh, this is weird. There's this, there's this hard bump on the top of your head. And I reached up with my own finger and I felt the spot and it was this like this raised circular head hard bump on my head that I don't remember getting. I don't remember hitting my head that day. So I didn't know what it was. My mom didn't know what it was. I get out of the bath. My mom is drying me off. She calls my sister into the room. My older sister, Lindsay. She says, feel this bump on Andrew's head. Can you feel this? You know, that she, she does. They both look close to the bump trying to figure out what it is. All of a sudden, my sister screams, Oh my God, it's a tick! My mom and sister immediately run out of the room. Now, to a six-year-old me, who apparently, I have a bug in my head, that freaked my family out so much, they had to leave the room. I am now alone, which instantly starts me crying. And when I say crying, I don't mean like tears. I mean I am wailing my lungs out. Ah, 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 mommy, mommy, mommy. I am screaming my lungs out and crying. It, I, I, it got to the point where I was so fucking scared. I was actually pleading and begging to my mom to come back into the room. Mommy, please come back. Mommy, please. I love you. Please. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, my, my mom did come back into the room, and she got the tick off, and she you know, put in a little plastic baggie. So th- that is the most I- I've ever been scared in my entire life. There is no horror film on Earth that I've ever seen that can compete with that moment. Exorcist, The Shining, Sixth Sense, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, none of them are scary 
as being six years old with a tick on my head. So, Chris, I hope to fucking God that you have a story like that as well, because I just bared my fucking soul out on a podcast, and I don't want to be alone here. So, so I hope you have a story about being scared when you were a kid. Nope. All right, then. We'll move on now. <laughs> <laughs> I remember having a tick or two in my day, but never anything that traumatizing. It, it, was, it was horrible. That sounds horrific. And I'm sure you were not a big fan of the tick animated series as a kid. I never watched it, but I am watching the new show on Amazon with the tick. Oh, how is that? Pretty good. Pretty, 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 pretty good. It's not, it's not triggering any memories for you? No, no, no flashbacks. <laughs> no, no flashbacks at all. But uh, any stories? I'm, I'm sure you there were plenty of stories as a kid. I do remember when my family used to live with my grandparents, we were trick-or-treating on their block and we got to one of the neighbors, I think a few houses down. It's a guy that we, you know... We knew him, we saw him in the driveway, stuff like that, but he answered the door in this mask. I don't even remember what the mask was. Is it the Xbox mask? (laughs) I wish it was the Xbox mask. Make some noise. (laughs) Make some noise. But uh, he answered the door in this really scary mask, and I'm like four years old or five years old, and he answered the door in this mask, and like... It wasn't even that scary, but I was just so taken aback by it that I screamed and ran from his house to our house. I like screaming the entire way like I was Kevin McAllister running up the stairs in Home Alone. <laughs> uh, it, it was it was horrifying. So that's the first time I remember really being like spooked by something Halloween related. That's the memory that comes to mind. It's a little bit dumber, but I never had any traumatic tick stories. L- lucky you then. <laughs> the, the only thing scary for you was a guy in a mask. Lucky you. A guy in a mask. Not even X-Pac. It wasn't even a, a blood-sucking, you know, bug on your fucking head. <laughs> hey, ticks are scary shit, man. You don't even know that they're there. They are, they are, man. Lyme disease is serious fucking business, man. Yeah. Dave Mustaine has Lyme disease. Yeah. Third, uh, third podcast in a row with the Dave Mustaine reference. All right. Now, as you've noticed, folks... We've had quite a bit of banter back and forth here at the beginning here, for good reason. This episode, episode 20, The Big 2-0, is dedicated to some of wrestling's spookiest, scariest themes. We're only going to do five themes this week. So yeah, it, it's a shorter list of themes this week, but I think the way in which we picked the themes for this episode is a lot of fun. Because we didn't just pick five songs at random, all willy-nilly. Each of the five themes that have been chosen for this episode correspond to a wrestler or wrestlers whose gimmicks themselves correspond with a classic horror movie character type. So it's not just the themes that are scary, it's the wrestlers themselves. So that'll give us ample opportunity to banter on a little bit more about the wrestlers and their gimmicks and maybe some horror characters, you know, why not, and all that good stuff. We're going to pad this bad boy out like Keiji Muto's knees. Are you ready, Chris, to begin our little adventure of music and macabre? Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, (laughs) I call this story the tale of the spooky wrestlers. Okay, our first horror character is the psychopath. Remorseless, cold-blooded, insane egomaniacs with a penchant for torture, murder, and returning some videotapes. Hannibal Lecter, Patrick Bateman, Joseph Mengele, Ted Bundy, Norman Bates, the Zodiac Killer... Mark David Chapman, and a whole bunch of other crazies, real and fictional, who are a few fries short of a Happy Meal. But no matter how many people they kill, no matter how many faces they slice off, 
no matter how many Huey Lewis albums they buy, they will never reach the levels of psychopathy that this wrestler has reached. I hesitate to even speak his name. That's how chilling this maniac is. Because only a man, only a man of his heightened lunacy would have the capacity to say this. You are only half the man that I am. <laughs> and I have half the brain that you do. Ooh, bone chilling. Lock your doors and hide the scissors. It's the master and ruler of the world, Psycho Sid. Off of WWE Anthology, this is Snapped. I'll start with the obvious because it's going to be a recurring motif over the course of the episode. Sampling a famous piece of music to either heighten the creepiness or reference something creepy in pop culture. It's in this song. It's in a few other songs on the list. Very effective tactic to make a theme more spooky. In the case of Snapped, I think it's fairly obvious what the sample is. It's taken from a piece called The Murder by Bernard Herrmann from Alfred Hitchcock's film, Psycho. It, it's the music from the shower scene where Vivian Lee gets stabbed to death. It's been referenced and parodied a million times over. Obviously, this is not a direct sample. It's Jim Johnston's version of it. And the intent, I think, is pretty clear. Uh, we're, we're tying the murder scene from Psycho to Psycho Sid. So we are ascribing the madness of Norman Bates, the killer in that movie, his tendency to snap and become this alternate personality, his mother figure that kills people onto Sid Vicious, that we're tying those two together. Obviously, Sid is not trying to kill people, although Arne Anderson might beg to differ. But still, the idea is that Sid is this Ticking time bomb. Ticking time bomb! <laughs> and at any moment, uh, Hiromu there, any moment he too will snap and fly off the handle and hit you with the power bomb or the choke slam or what have you. So for a wrestler called Psycho Sid, having a song called Snapped, which samples a, a song that is meant to convey someone snapping and going crazy, it all works together, it all meshes well and makes a lot of sense. It's a lot like Samoa Joe using the Godzilla March in his theme and the associations that come along with using that sample. Very good comparison. Sid makes a very believable psycho. You know, it's in his eyes, it's in his demeanor, and it's in the song. I think this is probably one of the most chilling wrestling themes. It's not the spookiest, you know, it's not the scariest, but it's chilling. And as soon as it hits, it changes the mood in the room. It's quintessential mid-90s Jim Johnston where it has a really moody kind of feel to it. 
Music-wise, it's very simple. You know, there's the pulsing bass line, a steady kick drum, a great Jim Johnston snare, and the layers of those sinister strings. And for some reason, the sound that you make by flicking your thumb against the inside of your cheek. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know what Jim Johnston was doing in the studio. I don't know, but it's effective. Yes. It's very effective. Yeah, all those elements that you mentioned, the murmuring bass line, the building choir of synths that leads to the turnaround back into the psycho riff, the violin melody that underneath it, like, all of that together. There's not a lot at play here, but what is at play works so well together. It's so effective at how just cold it makes you feel. Sid could come out to, you know, China White. And have this character and still be a believable psycho. But the fact that he comes out to this at this point in time brings the character some new dimension just by virtue of the soundtrack and what you're hearing and the fact that it does recall Psycho and the fact that it does have that nuance to it. It feels very much akin to Brian Pillman's WWF theme. Yes. In terms of its production and its feel. Now, obviously, Pillman's theme gets a lot more, you know, maniacal and deranged. Yeah. But I've always really enjoyed like a mid-90s Jim Johnston moody type of synth-based you know, very string-heavy production, it feels right, you know, and it's quintessential Jim Johnston. You know, I've never actually seen Psycho. I've never actually seen that movie, so I associate these strings with Sid more than with with the film. But then, you know, later on, and you come to realize where, oh, that's where that came from. I love the way that Jim Johnston uses volume in this song to amazing effect because the song does not follow a consistent volume through line. It goes from loud to quiet to loud to quiet. We start with the psycho stabs, which are loud. Then it gets quieter with the violin part that... Then it builds up again with the scary synth and the drums and the... And it gets louder and louder and louder to a fever pitch. Then just like that, it drops into that low synth bass of that do 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 and the individual drum slaps that then it goes back into the psycho and it repeats. Excellent use of volume play here from Jim Johnston because most songs you listen to, the noise levels are usually consistent. So you get you get a nice flow with the song and it makes you feel comfortable. And it puts you into a nice rhythm. Here, the different levels make make the song so jarring. You can't get into a flow. You, you're never comfortable listening to this theme. It's a great way to evoke tension and make a theme even more unsettling. And going back to the concept of Snapped, forget Sid. The song itself is kind of composed like a psychopath. There are sections that are quiet and timid. Then there are sections where it snaps and it becomes loud and aggressive and scary. It's incredible the way that Jim Johnston constructs a song to make it scary and creepy in more than one way. Both the music and the way the music sounds, the volume levels and all that kind of stuff. The dynamics are what make it so cinematic and so effective because you could put this over the main credits of any type of slasher film and it would probably work because it has the dynamics that 
lend itself well to, like you said, building the kind of tension and suspense that you would hear in a movie score and in a, a main title of a movie. One of the true gems, I think, in Jim Johnston's catalog for all of those reasons. There is an alternate version of it from WF The Music Volume 2 that has Sid speaking a little bit. It's one of those interesting things that they did on Volume 2 where they had slightly remixed versions of some of the themes like Undertaker and Austin and Sid where they would have the wrestlers like say a few things like cut a little promo over them. So that's another version slightly more stripped down and you get to hear some of the layers of the track in a different mix. So that's pretty interesting as well. You know, overall, I think Sid has, over the course of his career, had some pretty awesome themes. Uh, hell, at one point, he was using Crying in the Rain by Whitesnake yeah. in, in New Japan, which I'm not a big Whitesnake fan, but I do enjoy that song a lot. I'm a casual Whitesnake guy. I like the song. So, yeah, it's very interesting. On one hand, we have David Coverdale crying his lungs out. Other hand, we've got spooky psycho music. So Sid, certainly a guy with a, a wide range of, of musical Musical taste there, I guess. Maybe we should do a Sid episode one of these days. Maybe, uh, may- maybe for episode twenty-two. 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 <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Oh God. Goldberg. Goldberg. Why, Why me? <laughs> Why me? Moses, you idiot. Hey Moses, where's my car, man? It's my favorite Sid thing ever, man. I love it so much. It's the best. It's the best. Yeah. It's amazing. The way he runs. Not again. Oh man. Oh man. <laughs> I can never hear the number 22 and not say that in my head. Either Sid or Taker saying, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 22. (laughs) Just completely ripping off Taylor Swift for whatever reason. I know you like clowns, so I made you this bed. Now you can laugh yourself to sleep. If you should die before you wake. <laughs> Can't sleep. Clown will eat me. Can't sleep. Clown will eat me. Our next horror character is the evil clown. Whether they come from Derry, Maine, outer space, or the pits of hell itself, clowns are often one of people's biggest fears, and for good reason. They're just plain creepy with their face paint and their outlandish costumes. I get it. I'm sure there are plenty of people out there who were afraid of Goldust as a kid, or Great Muda, even. Now, now pro wrestling is no stranger to clowns. AAA has Los Psycho Circus with Psycho Clown, Monster Clown, Murder Clown. The Insane Clown Posse have also been involved with wrestling, for better or worse, mostly worse. And of course, we have our wrestler here, Doink the Clown. Off of WWE Uncaged 3, this is Evil Behind the Makeup.
particular theme that starts off here with a famous sample. In this case, it's Thunder and Blazes by Louis-Philippe Laurendeau, which itself is an adaptation of the song Entry of the Gladiators by Julius Fuchik. It's the stereotypical circus song. So circuses, clowns, those two go together pretty much always. And Doink's face theme was just that song all the way through. This theme is different, decidedly different. This is Doink's heel theme, the original one. So it starts off with this happy, upbeat music. You got the wacky whistle, whee! Honking horn, it's all fun and games. Then it descends into evil. And when I say descend, I mean that literally, because you hear that three note descending scale line, that takes us out of the fun of thunder and blazes and it descends us into the evilness and the nightmarishness that is the rest of the song with the creepy organ and the scary clown laugh. It's another clever trick here from Jim Johnston. And to be honest here, Chris, this entire song is a lot cleverer than people may realize, in my opinion. Because you get the spooky organ and the evil clown laugh that all par for the course, then we get this extended portion where the organ tone is shifted up and the notes are sustained for longer periods of time. This beautiful atmospheric soundscape that you wouldn't associate with an evil clown like Doink at all. It's much more classical and romantic in nature. And just as it pulls you in, just as it as it lulls you into this beautiful trance and it transfixes you so much, what happens? The floor is dropped out from under us and we are plunged once again into the evil clown melody and the evil laugh and the scary times. So the song is a trick. It's a trick that an evil clown like Doink would pull on you. It puts you in this false sense of security and romantic heightenedness. And just when you think it's safe, Doink pulls the rug out from under you and the clown reappears. You know, it, it doesn't happen once either. It happens over and over again like it's a nightmare, which is fitting because the other name for this song is Nightmare Clown. Chris, I gotta be honest here. I do not expect to be blown away by the complexities of Doink the Clown's heel theme, but here we are. It's incredible. It really is, man. Those tragic sounding strings layered with like a faint choir. It actually reminds me a little bit of Mankind's Ode to Freud theme. Yes. A little bit. The same type of mood and the same type of instrumentation. Again, another theme that is a bit more dynamic and fluid and feels like it could be part of a film score. And it doesn't stick to one particular drum beat or keep a steady tempo or have one melody running throughout the whole thing. It's sections and it changes the mood and it keeps changing it up. And by the way, it contains the most frightening fucking laugh I've ever heard in my life. It's it's terrifying. Here's why. Here's why. It's not like the big hearty cloud. Ah, ha, ha, ah, ha. It's like 
<laughs> yeah, it, it's like someone on helium. Yes, exactly. Oh god, it's it's creepy. But an amazing, amazing theme to go along with what I think is one of the best characters in wrestling, really. The evil clown, the scary clown. And he was also awesome in the ring, too, which made it even better. He was technically sound, and he would be clever and trick opponents. You know, he would get into the wacky stuff later on when Doink would turn face, and Dink would become a thing. And that's a whole other bag of tricks, so to speak. I just felt like Vince McMahon on commentary right there. Oh, my God. <laughs> Big back body drop point Doink the Clown. <laughs> Well, in any event. In any event. <laughs> going back to the intro, though, I am a sucker for a slide whistle. And that slide whistle in the beginning, oh, it's it makes me smile Whee! every time. <laughs> yeah. And then you get the honk honk, which just reminds me of Skeeter Valentine from Doug. Of course. <laughs> I never got to see Heel Doink the Clown, but I imagine if I was a kid, much like with Ministry Undertaker, I probably would have been freaked out, the freak the fuck out by Heel Doink and this theme. Like Sid's theme, it's just unsettling how much of a mood it creates and the atmosphere it creates. And I think there's something just inherently unsettling about a creepy clown that, I mean, there's still all the rage, even in 2017, still all the rage. You know, the It remake, you know, Pennywise is still a big, big figure in pop culture. And, And look at all the other big, big figures the Joker yes. is a huge one, and and you know we and we see it in many forms. You know, Crazy Joe Devola on Seinfeld, uh, the yes. tragic clown, Zebo the clown from Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah, yeah, uh, the the tale of the Crimson Clown. Oh yeah, also yeah. From Are You Afraid? That that oh god, that fucking doll. <laughs> when I was a kid, freaked me the fuck out. I never had like, like a big fear of clowns as a kid, but they were individual clowns that freaked me out. The Crimson Clown from Are You Afraid of the Dark, that was one of them, easily. Because the end of the episode, about the nightmare that he has, where the clown doll becomes life-sized. Yeah. And he has this, this fucking evil fucking face on him. That scared the shit out of me as a kid. And this one, this other one, wasn't really a clown, but it was clown-ish. The Rugrats episode, where Chucky, where Chucky has the nightmare. I'm not Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that noise. <laughs> and and one more I'll mention. Did you ever see the original Air Bud? No. The bad guy in that was a birthday clown. He wasn't scary, but he was just a mean, drunk clown. And he was really mean to the dog, and I didn't like it at all. So I guess there have been individual clowns over the years that have skeeved me out a lot. And, and really, like I said, clowns themselves are just freaky in general. The painted face, the exaggerated features with the big shoes and the, and the nose, and just the silly voice. To a kid that isn't used to that, they're, they're just used to seeing like regular people, that'll, that'll scare a kid easily. And if it scares you enough, it'll carry over as adults, which is probably why, you know, a movie like It does so well, which I saw, and it's really good. But yeah, it, 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 clowns themselves are, are scary in wrestling or out of wrestling. Next up on our horror character list is a true classic, the vampire. A legendary creature that's been around for centuries in a number of different stories. Dracula, Nosferatu, True Blood, The Lost Boys, The Strain, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The list goes on and on and on. Typically, these vampires all have one goal in mind, the blood of their victims. 
Wrestling vampires have similar goals, like winning the European Championship, or defeating the Kiss Demon in a graveyard match. You know, typical vampire shit. Now, the wrestling vampire on our docket is not Gangrel. <laughs> it was forbidden by the Undertaker. <laughs> Nor is it Vampiro. It is Judas Macias, the wrestling vampire that stalked the dark hallways of TNA Wrestling in late 2007, early 2008. Off the album Meltdown, the music of TNA Wrestling Volume 2, this is Ave Vampire. <laughs> third theme in a row here, Chris, that samples a famous song that is associated with a horror character. This one is Toccata and Fugue in D minor by Johann Sebastian Bach. Not Skid Row Sebastian Bach, Johann Sebastian Bach. It isn't strictly a vampire song, but it wouldn't be out of place in an old vampire movie. It definitely fits. And like Doink's theme, it only uses the first segment of the song before it delves into the rest of the original composition by Dale Oliver. And the rest of the song really goes for it when it comes to being a scary vampire theme. We've got a choir doing this chilling melody. We've got another choir in the background doing these, these, these staccato bits. Ha! 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 We've got frantic violins. We've got some indiscernible chanting booming percussions, clashing drums. Of the three themes that we've played so far, this one definitely has the most going on in it. Sid and Doink's themes are fairly minimal in comparison to this one, where there's all sorts of, of things going on. And of the three, I'd say it's certainly the most supernatural sounding of the themes, of the themes we had. Because Sid is a psychopath, Doink is an evil clown, those two character types are very much in the realm of the real world, I mean, real-life horror possibilities. Judas Macias, the vampire, is part of the supernatural realm, so it makes sense that his theme is evocative of evil rituals and castles and otherworldly creatures. I mean, the choir alone, I think, is enough to say this guy is into some real dark magic. My memories of Judas Macias are... Very limited. I remember when he pulled Abyss under the ring. Yep. I remember the big buildup in the beginning with the video packages. At that point, I was watching Impact every week. But I don't remember him being around for long, and that may just be my memory. Yeah, six, six months or so, yeah. But I also remember being just really underwhelmed when <laughs> he did debut. And obviously, Ricky Banderas would have much more success in, in AAA and obviously in Lucha Underground as Mil Moretes. But Judas Macias in general doesn't bring up a whole lot of memories for me. The most strong feeling that I had, in fact, while kind of reminiscing on Judas Macias was that I really fucking miss James Mitchell. Funny enough, he's actually back now in a sort of recurring role because right now on TNA, Joseph Park, you know, Abyss's quote-unquote brother, 
he's sort of been around, Abyss has been kind of missing, but there have been a few occasions where Abyss has shown up because James Mitchell arrived and said, we'll rise, my monster. So it's really cool how they brought him back and associated him with Abyss again. Because I agree, James Mitchell, fucking awesome pro wrestling manager, awesome personality in wrestling. And he's a guy who I think should have been so much bigger. He should have been in WWE, I think. Absolutely. But uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. And Macias, I agree, very underwhelming. But Father James Mitchell, whoever he's with, I- I'm always a fan of him. But Macias himself as a character and as a wrestler as well in this time period, very underwhelming, certainly. Mil Mertes, I enjoyed quite a bit. I love that character. I love his matches in Lucha Underground. Macias, not so much. As for the theme itself... I had a few comparisons. The first initial one was that there was a generic entrance theme in the creator wrestler mode of WWF Attitude called Hurt Me Please that begins with the same organ riff. On your knees! And then from there, this whole song for me kind of recalls O Fortuna by Carl Orff. Yes. Part of Carmina Burena, which I'm sure people have heard in millions of like times. every movie trailer, yeah. every commercial. It's all over the place. It's been used for a million things. And it feels, especially the bridge sections, it feels so much like a take on O Fortuna. But taking that a step further, it sounds like a rock version of the song Hate Me Now by Nas and Puff Daddy, which itself samples O Fortuna. Which, if people remember, that was a song used in the Miz video package yes. before the Cena match at WrestleMania 27. So this song feels kind of like a rock version of that song, especially with the drum pattern. And I like the way this all comes together. It didn't strike me as that at first, but the more I listen to it, the more it kind of I recognize certain structure and certain rhythms. So that combined with the intro organ, it's very interesting mixing those two for this one theme. So I, I appreciate that a lot. Speaking of inspirations, I myself actually found a lot of samples in this song uh not real life songs but actual other tna themes i think are sampled or at least referenced a lot in this theme first of all the opening sample of takata and fugue was also used in the opening for take you under the theme for the disciples of the new church which I've always felt was an awesome theme. The background choir bits, the ha, ha, those are taken from Christopher Daniels' theme, Manson. And 
Speaking of Christopher Daniels, this isn't an exact copy, it's an inspiration more like, but that spooky choir in the foreground that ha ah, ah, ha was also used in a way for Daniel's other theme, Wings of a Fallen Angel. And one more for me. The violin parts that you can kind of hear coming in and out. Those, I believe, are from one of Chris Sabin's early singles themes in TNA, Modern Oz. So it has all of these little bits and pieces from other TNA themes jammed into this one song. And personally, I'd rather hear those themes than this one. I'm not... I'm not really a fan of this song, to be honest with you, Chris. I, I, I can't. It's not bad. It's just I'd rather hear other themes than this one. The whole Judas Messias thing as well. I wasn't a fan of that either. Because they brought him in as Father James Mitchell's quote-unquote son to feud with Abyss. And it was going to be like monster versus monster. He had like one match with Eric Young and he got injured for like three months. So you had to put him on the shelf. He came back. Had a bunch of mediocre matches, did a barbed wire massacre with Abyss, and then he was gone. It really wasn't that great. And as a wrestling vampire, I gotta take umbrage with Messias here, because let's say you're a wrestling vampire. What's the one place you don't go to wrestle? Sunny Orlando, Florida. Come <laughs> on, man. And he only wore trunks. He didn't wear, like, a shirt or tight. He just wore trunks. At least Gangrel wore the puffy shirt. You know, and the pants and the sunglasses. He had ample protection. Come on, man. Macias, you gotta smarten up, man. That's why it only lasted six months. Get an umbrella. <laughs> Our fourth horror character is actually a whole troop of characters. It's the evil cult. There's been many an instance where a group of lost souls looking for a home, looking for guidance, looking for answers, congregate towards a wise, charismatic leader who will solve all their problems and will deliver them to the promised land. Of course, people like Jim Jones, David Koresh, Charles Manson. R. Kelly. (laughs) Allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) Pro wrestling, with all its wacky characters, has had its fair share of cults. The Ministry of Darkness, the White Family, Raven's Flock, the Order of the Neo-Solar Temple, and we cannot forget one of wrestling's biggest cults, the Dungeon of Doom. What an evil, diabolical group, <laughs> led by Kevin Sullivan. <laughs> Off the album WWE, the music of WCW, this is the Dungeon of Doom theme. <laughs> Quote the great actor Chris Cooper from the 2011 film The Muppets. Maniacal laugh. (laughs) Maniacal laugh. (laughs) You know, it's funny, Chris. We look at Sid Vicious and Doink's themes as being these intricately crafted, layered masterpieces. Here we have, um, not that. (laughs) Now, don't get me wrong. It's a pretty spooky theme, but there's really not a lot for critical study. It's basically the Dungeon of Doom 
maniacally laughing over a deranged synth line. There's really not much to say about that. From what I have here in my notes, you could say it's similar to Doink's theme in a way, because you have this ethereal, moody synth in another light could be this beautiful thing, but it's being undercut by something jarring and evil. Also, I know I made this joke for like the 20th time. What an evil diabolical. <laughs> if I'm being honest here, Chris, this theme does kind of give off similar vibes to Shane McMahon's corporate ministry theme. <laughs> it totally does. The one where he laughs over the spooky synth. <laughs> no, ch- obviously it's way more over the top, clearly, but comparing the two, Dungeon of Doom, Ministry of Darkness, they're kind of two halves of the same coin, so it kind of makes sense that their themes would have some sort of similarities between them, but that's all I had to say really about it. There's not much more to say about uh, the Dungeon of Doom theme. This may blow your mind, but the laughing in particular reminds me of The Writ by Black Sabbath. <gasps> Oh my god, I love that song. <laughs> the intro? Yes. It's the end of Am I Going Insane into the Yeah. Yeah. Fucking love that song. It's the first thing I thought of. Another evil laughing theme, but. I love evil laughing themes. I wish oh, they it's, were, it's fun for sure. I wish there were more evil laughing themes in in the history of pro wrestling. They're they're great, man. And this is as stripped down and basic as you get. But this is honestly, I think, all it needed to be. Any more effort put into a theme for the Dungeon of Doom would have just been wasted time by Jimmy Hart <laughs> and Howard Helm. And Howard Helm, yeah. Although I will say another comparison here: the chord progression. Similar to La Resistance. Yes, I see it now. I I can see it. But yeah, there's not a whole lot to say. The Dungeon of Doom was more wacky than anything. They were were Scooby-Doo villains. Yeah. That's what they were. Let's rub off this shark makeup and see who's underneath it. Old Man Tenta! It was like cartoon characters specifically designed for ultimate hero... Hulk Hogan to fight. Yeah. That's all they were. And and even the title of the song, the Dungeon of Doom theme, shows a certain lack of depth on the part of Jimmy and Howard. (laughs) It's not so much a title as it is like a placeholder name that you scribble in marker on the CDR to come up with later. You know, you got to give it something at least a little bit more than Dungeon of Doom theme. Like, I don't know, like Sinister Union. Or Mystic Giggles. <laughs> Mystic a- a- Giggles. Anything, any, anything other than the Dungeon of Doom theme. Mystic Giggles. Uh, I guess the, the title of their theme was the least of the dungeon's worries because they were too busy trying to get rid of Hulk Hogan. Every week, oh, that, that, let's get let's get rid of Hulk Hogan. Somehow, 40 guys in the stable, they can't get rid of one fucking guy. <laughs> you had Kevin Sullivan, the giant, Vader, Mang, Barbarian, the shark, the Yate. The Zodiac, Big Bubba, Kamala, Lex Luger, One Man Gang, Hugh Morris, and about fucking 50 other guys. And not one, not one of them could stop Hulkamania. It's a travesty. Not even fucking the Giant, Vader, and Mang can stop creative control. Perhaps the scariest force of all. Our final horror character is the Boogeyman. 
No, literally. It's the boogeyman. And guess what, Chris? What? He's coming to get you. Oh, God. <laughs> Scared you, didn't I? I apologize. Off the album, WWE Uncaged, this is The Horror. I'm the boogeyman, and I'm coming to get you. Open not with a popular song or a spooky laugh. We open with a jump scare. It's just a big, meaty fist smashing onto some piano keys. And considering this is the most recent theme on our list, it it came out in 2005, it makes sense to start with a jump scare because most recent horror movies are nothing but jump scares. So to begin this theme with a big loud noise, I get it. Now after this, we get the first and only instance of actual proper lyrics in this episode. I'm the boogeyman, and I'm coming to get you. Which tells you A, his name, and B, his mission statement. So say what you will about the boogeyman. The man is able to get his point across rather succinctly. Straight and to the point, no faffing about for the boogeyman. So gotta appreciate that. As far as the main body is concerned, I had never heard this theme on its own before. I thought it was just the boogeyman laughing and then the main you know, music section. That's all I thought it was. Listening to it now, though, I realize how much more tribal it is. Like at many points during the song, you can hear some sort of tribal chanting going on in the background underneath the main beat. I don't know what type of chanting it is. Boogeyman is of the black persuasion, so it could be African chanting, Caribbean chanting, South American chanting. I don't want to judge a Boogeyman book by its Boogeyman cover, Chris, okay? It could have covered anywhere. My point is that there is some sort of tribal thing going on of indeterminate location, possibly them worshipping the Boogeyman, or trying to appease the Boogeyman, or simply trying to ward the Boogeyman away from their land and onto SmackDown. You know, don't bother us. Go bother Nunzio and Simon Dean. Okay, don't bother us. But th- those are my guesses here. That part just sounded to me like they got Sean Paul to do ad libs. The Boogeyman is coming to get you. <laughs> yes. I never noticed those background vocals before either. Like, yeah, yeah, you gotta listen close. There's a lot more layers than you would think because, like you said, when you hear it on TV, it's just a. Yeah. And it's not scary at all. Not really. No. When you do listen to the song itself and not hearing it on TV, you do hear more of the elements like that that are. They're not scary. They're not even really creepy. They're just kind of a bit odd. And interesting. There's really nothing at all scary about the boogeyman, actually. He's pretty funny. He was, yeah. And also disgusting. <laughs> yes. Actually, v- actually very disgusting. Mostly disgusting. Yeah, I-, I could sit here and I could poo-poo the boogeyman and say, oh, he wasn't a good wrestler. He wish he wasn't. But, like, as a 12 or 13-year-old kid that it was at the time, 
watching him live, I was legitimately entertained by the Boogeyman's antics. It's like, yes, I love watching Kurt Angle and Shawn Michaels and Rey Mysterio and all these guys have great matches. Sometimes I just want to see the Boogeyman eat some worms and put worms in people's mouths. You know, it's like AJ Styles, Chris Sabin, Alex Shelley, I love those guys to death. But sometimes I just want to see the Boogeyman bite Jillian Hall's growth off her face oh. and, and, and just chew on it in his mouth, Ugh. which I know it wasn't a real growth, obviously, but watching it's still disgusting as fuck. I remember the vignettes when he was going to debut that aired. The vignettes were, you know, this this camera roaming around this this dark and spooky house. You know, what's what's going on here? Then it, it, it freeze frames on like an open closet door and it's pitch black in there. And all you see are the boogeyman's eyes. And he starts to laugh. And it says, the boogeyman. And I was like, okay, what is this? Who is this? What is this gimmick going to be? And then he showed up. And I was like, okay, this is a guy who clearly committed 100% to the role. There was no half-assing going on here with the boogeyman. Because he's got the face paint, the magic staff. He's missing his front teeth. He's eating real worms. He's got a heart hanging from his neck, and he's smashing a clock over his head. A clock! With glass and everything. I'm sure it was, you know, fake glass. It was sugar glass, but still, that shit hurts. You know, it, it, listen, if you smash a clock over your head week in, week out, for my enjoyment, I can't hate you. I'm sorry. I just can't. Oh, yeah, this guy was in at 100%. And not only all of that, but he had some very interesting movements. Yes. I don't I don't want to call them dancing. It was more like... Gyrations. Yeah. They were very interesting gyrations. More like Dane Cook impersonating a snake <laughs> than anything. Yes. Very interesting guy. Yeah. The main drum loop, whatever percussion thing in this song. It's a very strange song. Mm. But the main kind of loop sounds like a preset groove that would have been in like a drum machine in the mid-90s. Yeah. And in particular, this is like the third reference to this on this episode. It reminds me of a music cue used in an Are You Afraid of the Dark episode, the tale of the super specs, whenever one of the kids would put on these specs, these glasses like these that they got from Sardo's magic shop. Yeah, yes. And yep, then they yep. would see people from another dimension. Yep. It reminds me of the music cue used in that part of the episode. <laughs> how, do you rem- how do you remember that? <laughs> I actually, a few years ago, I like did a big rewatch of all the Are You Afraid of the Dark episodes on YouTube because there used to be a lot on YouTube. So it was kind of fresher in my mind. Plus, I listened to an Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast, actually. There's a, there's a really good one called You Scared of This that I, I highly recommend. Very good. Mm. And yeah, that was the, fr- the first thing that came to mind this time around listening to this. I was like, oh, you know what? It kind of reminds me of that little music cue. So there you go. <laughs> so we got a Doug reference in and we got an Are You Afraid of the Dark reference. A couple of them, actually. And Megadeth. And Megadeth. Don't forget that. Um, yeah, the, the song itself, it's a strange song. Not too much going on. Again, it, it's not as over the top as, you know, uh, Drew's Macias, not as simple as like a Sid or Doink thing. It's just a, a mid-2000s WWE theme. It's serviceable. It gets across the whole spooky boogeyman, he's not of this realm type of thing. So it, it, it works in that regard. Now, as far as going back to the boogeyman himself, I have to bring up, there are two moments that I remember fondly of the boogeyman. And they will sit with me for a very long time. And they're both very similar. This was early in his run. 
This was like November 2005. The first one, Raw was in London, and Kurt Angle is in the ring cutting a promo on John Cena because they were feuding at the time. John Cena shows up on the Titantron from backstage, and he's like, Kurt, I know a lot of the WWE fans think you suck. I'm going to go ask some Raw superstars backstage what they think of you. So John's walking around backstage, opens one door. It's Candice Michelle and Tori Wilson undressing because, well, it's 2005 Raw. He opens another door, and it's a locker room where, (laughs) I swear to God, Gene Snitsky is giving Tyson Tomko a neck massage. And Tomko's like, what, I got a kink in my neck. And Cena's like, yeah, sure you do, buddy. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And Snitsky says, it wasn't my fault. All true, by the way. There's video evidence of this. So Cena goes to a third door. And of course, the rule of threes, knocks on the door. He's like, whoever's behind this door, I'm going to ask them what they think of Kurt Angle. And he opens the door. And it's a pitch black room. The only thing you see is the boogeyman. He's got the clock, the heart, the whole thing. And boogeyman just goes. London bridges falling down, falling down, falling down. <laughs> I'm the boogeyman and I'm coming to get you. <laughs> Cena closes the door. He has the most comically overstated, confused look on his face. Like, what the fuck did I just say? He opens the door again, and the boogeyman goes, My fair lady. (laughs) I howled so much at that as a kid. I loved it so much, and I still love it now. His comedic timing is fucking great, the boogeyman. It's so underrated. The other moment happened around the same time. And it was very similar in this. This is during the whole Raw versus SmackDown brand warfare thing for Survivor Series 2005. Which is funny because flash forward 12 years later and we're doing again Raw versus SmackDown brand warfare. So it's this huge thing and JBL is walking around backstage. He's like one of the big defenders of SmackDown. Ah, Michael, I hate these Raw superstars, goddammit. And he's walking backstage and this guy comes up to him and he says... JBL, there's an unmarked van in the parking lot. I think it might be some Ross superstars. And JBL, of course, he's in the suit and tie and he's in the hat. And he's walking in the parking lot. He's like, oh, these damn Ross superstars. I'll give him what for. He opens the van door. And who is sitting there, Chris? But the boogeyman. He's got the clock. He's got the heart. And he's holding a spoon. And the spoon is filled with this liquid. Most likely drool. Because the, the boogeyman... Because he's missing his top front teeth, he drooled quite a bit. <laughs> so he's got the spoon, and he starts to sing. A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. The medicine go down. The medicine go down. In the most delightful way. <laughs> I'm the boogeyman, and I'm coming to get you! (laughs) Yeah! The alarm clock rings, he smashes it over his head, then he drinks the drool out of the spoon, and he goes, (laughs) JBL closes the van door, fixes his tie, 
and backs away slowly from the van without saying a word. It's fucking glorious. And I'm not doing it justice. It's on YouTube. Go look for it. It's fucking hysterical. Boogeyman, shit wrestler and all, A-plus entertainer in my book. Fucking hysterical, man. Loved it so much. And of course, let's not forget when the Boogeyman met the scariest, most evil creature of them all, Donald Trump. Oof, that was frightening. And, you know, the best thing about the Boogeyman, of course, is his tryout for Tough Enough, <laughs> where he insists that he's 30 years old. The one where he lied? He lied about his age? I'm 30. I'm 30. I'm 30, <laughs> I'm 30 years old. 30 years. I'm 30. Uh, uh, it says you're 40. Okay, I'm 40. I'm 40. I'm 40 years old. And the funny thing is, they still hired him. Yeah. They still hired him for OBW. <laughs> That's where the Boogeyman gimmick started. Well, he had a good look. He had a great look. Very unique. Very unique. Yeah. My God, the Boogeyman. Chris, uh, this was so much fun. Only five themes, but I I think we padded out of the, uh, so much. So oh, we did so much fun discussion about Halloween, scary themes, scary wrestlers, funny shit, Mega Death, the whole nine yards. Now before we go, Chris, we sent the word out to our lovely followers on Twitter at Music of the Mat, and we asked them what are some of your favorite spooky, scary, terrifying moments in wrestling, scary characters, scary wrestlers, scary songs, and. The people answered the call, and uh, let's read a few right now, Chris. Uh, we'll start with Aaron Quinn, who says, Original Evil Doink, which, hey, Aaron, we played it, buddy. There you go. Got you covered. Vinny Massaro, the, the great Vinny Massaro. When I first started wrestling, I tagged with Vic Grimes, and we used to walk out to the Friday the 13th theme. I got the idea from SST. Uh, the SST, of course, being the Samoan SWAT team. Joe Coco of the Sober World of Sports podcast says, The answer is always La Parca. Alan Acosta says, Whenever I feel bad about Bray Wyatt's booking, <laughs> I watch old FCW promos to cry myself to sleep. Steve Castaneda says, When they added the bell on Evil's theme, I thought a demon was summoned in my room, and I thought I was going to be possessed. Larrikin says, Boogeyman, Jack, Gangrel, and New Jack. Quite a terrifying trio there. Pumpkin S. Dixon, uh, I believe it's normally Martin S. Dixon. It has to be seeing Undertaker stepping out at Survivor Series 1990. Still chills me, even now, I'm like I'm seven years old again. Lee Malone, our good buddy Lee from uh, Voices of Wrestling, says, Waylon Mercy. Even now, those promos are creepy as hell. Leon says, Dark Side Hayabusa's theme, Dark Side Hulk's theme, Darkness Dragon, and obviously Evil. Jeff Hawkins, also from VOW, Shake Them Ropes. The Samoan SWAT team coming out to Halloween. Vinny referenced them earlier. Jose Corona says, During the Kane and Lita wedding angle, the musicians played a classical version of Slow Chemical with a great bass violin bit. And wrapping up, Oscar Chamaro says, Eddie Guerrero versus JBL Judgment Day 2004. Ooh, yeah. I just can't rewatch that. And yes, I mean, you know, the, the goriest scene in a horror movie yeah. cannot even compare to that yeah. match. So yeah, Definitely right with you on that one. Eddie, man, he was just caught. The, the, the Crimson Mask was not... Uh, a harsh enough term for that for what happened to you Eddie well that's gonna do it for this episode of Music of the Mat thank you so much for listening as always 
Music of the Mat is part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Go to VoicesOfWrestling.com for other great wrestling podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Music of the Mat. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. Check out the Voices of Wrestling forums at VoicesOfWrestling.com slash forums. That's also where Chris posts the YouTube playlists for each episode. So you can hear all the themes of this episode in full. Finally, rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Helps us out on the ratings and gets more ears on the podcast. Episode 20 in the books, which means we've reached the end of this second batch of 10 episodes. Our second season, if you will. And I gotta say, Chris, the first 10 episodes were a lot of fun. They were very much us, though, trying to find our way as podcast rookies. See what works, see what didn't. Episodes 11 through 20, I feel, have played a huge role in truly establishing the rhythm of the podcast and refining it and giving us our footing and honestly making me feel more confident in my abilities as a podcaster. You know, when when we do episodes like Metallica or Hulk Rules, two, two episodes which I think are the best we've ever done, it makes me feel so proud to know that I helped make something that was good and people enjoyed it. Even the episodes where you weren't there because you were you were busy and I had to arrange them and produce them and edit them by myself, even I look back on those fondly because I knew that this podcast is a creative outlet and I can use the creativity that I know I have to make those episodes fun and entertaining and wacky just like any other episode. So I'm very proud of what we've done uh, over these past 10 episodes. I'm very proud of what the podcast has become. And I can't wait to see where it's going because this podcast, at the end of the day, is just that. It's just so much fun. We're not trying to change the world. We're not trying to give any hot scoops. We're just two goofballs who love talking about pro wrestling music and getting into all sorts of wacky tangents along the way about Megadeth and Doug and all that kind of stuff. We've done it for 20 episodes. We're going to keep this Muscular Mystery Tour rolling on down the line, and we hope that you, the listener, roll on with us. Because as The Rock once said, I want to say thank you, I love you, (laughs) boots to asses, let's go to work. Seriously, though, we're so appreciative of our listeners and so grateful for them. We can't stress this enough. Thank you so much for listening to us. You guys are so awesome. Very well said. And I really just want to thank you for everything that you do for the podcast. I I firmly believe that you are the heart and soul of this show. Now, I can go away for a few episodes and you don't even miss a beat. What you bring to this show, the things that you prepare, the pieces that you write, the special intro ideas that you bring to the show, the little clips and little different elements that you bring to the show that I would never think to do. Uh, You truly are the only person that I could have done this podcast with. I thank you for all the work that you've done for the podcast. It's been really cool. The outpouring of kind words from everyone really does mean a lot to us. So for that, we thank you all. Thank you for listening and happy Halloween. Yes, happy Halloween. Now, as far as the future is concerned, our schedules, me and Chris's schedules, the way that works out over the next few weeks is that we're both going to be on vacation the weekend after our next recording session. So neither of us are going to be able to edit a full-length your full production podcast episode. So what we decided to do was we're going to do a little bonus episode Q&A, much like the one that I did when Chris 
had to go away for a few episodes earlier in the summer. So it's going to be episode 20.5, a shorter episode, one that is much easier to produce and quicker to produce and put together. It'll just be us taking listener questions and shooting the shit. And that's going to come out on the regular podcast schedule. Uh, So two weeks from this episode dropping. So it'll be in the regular rotation. Then episode 21, the beginning of our next batch, our next season, will come out two weeks from that. So the next full-length, full big episode won't be for about another month or so. So, But we won't be going away entirely. We'll have that Q&A episode as a placeholder. And when we get back, we'll be just as annoying and boisterous and tangent heavy as we always are and it'll be a lot of fun and we'll shoot the shit and all that good stuff and uh yeah we'll, we'll come back rip and go with a, a, a big episode episode 21 and the new season in the meantime of course as we get closer to the recording date for the 20.5 we'll ask you on twitter send us the questions and we'll go from there so think of it as a nice little pit stop on the muscular mystery tour and, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it uh, for the Scare Lord, Chris Maffei. I am the Boo-Barian, Andrew Rich. Have a safe and happy Halloween. We'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Whee! <laughs> <laughs> Hog <laughs> I'm 30! Sid, how old are you? I'm 22! 22! Oh, Music of the Mad is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.